right, so we are going to go ahead and dive into the message. Um, Isaiah, we're going to be in chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. We're uh, still in our uh, Loud and Clear series, looking at the prophecy of Isaiah. We started off looking at how Isaiah was called by God in Isaiah chapter 6, and then looked at how, as part of Isaiah's prophecy, he tells us that God hates religion. And last week, we looked at how uh, God opposes the proud. This week, uh, now that Isaiah has kind of built the case for the sinfulness of Israel and how they've wandered away from God and, and, and are in desperate need of his salvation. He gives a picture of what that salvation looks like and what it does to the person who receives his salvation. Um, and so, but he's given this prophecy <coughs> to a people who I don't think know they need salvation. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you needed someone to rescue you or to work on your behalf in some way uh, and didn't know yet that you actually needed that help. Um, I remember when I was a kid, one time me and my brother were, were playing uh, baseball in our backyard, and uh, the ball goes past me, and I kind of run back to get it, and it lands. The ball stops uh, within a foot of a big old uh, copperhead snake laying there in the grass, and a uh, highly venomous snake, and, and uh, lots of people uh, lose their lives and limbs in Oklahoma uh, by copperheads. Uh, but anyway, I remember uh, going back, saw that snake, and uh, just thinking, I'll take care of this, and uh, got my bat and just beat that snake over the head until it died. And uh, later on, got a very long, stern lecture about how foolish that was because that snake's reach was far greater than the length of my bat and, uh, and how I had put myself in danger. Um, and a lot of times we do that. We put ourselves out there in, in a place where uh, out of ignorance or foolishness or whatever, where we need salvation, we need rescue, and we're not really even aware of it. And I think this is where the nation of Israel was. They thought, like we talked about last week, they thought because they were Israelites, because they were the sons and daughters of Abraham, that uh, everything was fine and it didn't really matter what they did. And God is saying, no, uh, I've rejected you. You're in need of salvation. Not only that, I'm turning you over to a foreign nation. And, uh, and you know, everything's going to be, you're losing everything. You're losing everything. But then he gives them now in chapter 12, this picture of what salvation will look like and feel like once it comes back to them and they turn back to God. So that's where we are picking up Isaiah chapter 12. <coughs> it says this, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation with joy. You will draw water from the wells of salvation. Everybody, I want everybody to say that phrase with me, replace the word you with the word I and just say with joy, I will draw water from the wells of salvation. Everybody say that right now with joy. I will draw water from the wells of salvation. Say it like you mean it with joy. I will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you'll say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth, shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. 
So I love this image of, of, of that when salvation comes to God's people, there's certain things that happen. That salvation conjures up certain things. And if you have come to faith in Christ and, and begun to experience uh, that new life in Christ, you know exactly what Isaiah is talking about. So this is the point I want to bring out. Go ahead and put it up that next slide. That when salvation happens, salvation will produce joy and worship and evangelism. Dirty word evangelism. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in just a second. So salvation, when it comes to our lives, will produce joy and, uh, and um, worship and eva- evangelism. And he says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, with joy, I'm going to draw deep from the wells of salvation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, with, with joy, do that. Now, joy is this thing that um, it's, it's, it's different from happiness. And I, one of the, my favorite things about being a follower of Jesus Christ is the joy that I feel. It's not happiness. There's this group out there. I don't know who they are. Some uh, quasi-Christian group. I, I really, I can't think of who they are, but they just, they get together and they just laugh like idiots. I don't understand it. I've seen videos of it on, on, on the internet and they just, that's part of their worship. They just, they just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh over nothing. They're just, it's, it's, it's dumb. I don't understand it. And, 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 and this is not the joy that, um, that God is talking about. It's not like I'm going to put on this fake attitude of happiness. I'm going to paint this smile on my face, even though everything's going horrible for me. It's, 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 that's not joy. That's just, that's just false whatever, right? And, and I, I like, I don't know about you, but I can't stand to be around somebody who, who is just uh, like fake happy all the time when you know they're not really feeling that. Um, that, that, that that's a little weird to me. Like I like genuine, honest people, right? But here's the thing about, like, like, happiness is good. Like, I get happy about things. I get happy, uh, you know, at, at the beginning of the baseball, first half of the baseball season last year, I was really happy, super-duper happy. The A's were locked in, doing so great. Second half of the baseball season, I was not happy at all. Not, like, not even anywhere remotely close to happy. And, and there are things that come up in my family that make me really happy, and there are things that come up in my family that make me not happy at all. That happiness is contingent on our circumstances. Like, like, like my happiness depends on how things are going in my life. But joy runs so much deeper than happiness. Joy is something that, is, that we can experience regardless of what circumstances we're going through. Regardless of what circumstances we're going through. This morning... I visited uh, Rosemary Hughes. She's in the hospital. And uh, um, for those of you who don't know, haven't heard yet, uh, if the doctors are correct and God doesn't intervene in a different way, uh, uh, Rosemary will probably be going to meet Jesus within the next few days. Uh, she's uh, she's uh, kind of uh, definitely, her body is, is beginning to shut down. But I walked in, and I mean, and she, I mean you can tell when you, when you see her, you can tell that this is happening. And I walked in, and and uh, I said, you know, how are you feeling this morning? And she says, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. And it's like, even though her body is uh, leaving this world, uh, it has not notified her spirit yet, you know. And so she, she is just this uh, kind of eternal, uh, upbeat um, person. And, uh, and I've, I've seen Rosemarie when she wasn't so upbeat and everything else, but she is resting in a lot of uh, things that she knows about God right now. And, and, uh, and that is producing joy in her life despite her circumstances, despite her circumstances. Um, joy is something that we experience when, um, when things aren't going the way we want them to go in life, when things are honestly going uh, straight south on, on us in ways that we didn't want or expect. 
uh, we can still experience joy. There's a kind of, uh, the Bible uh, describes it as a joy unspeakable, and in another place, a a peace that's beyond our understanding, that we can experience even a peace and contentment when things are not going well in our lives. It's hard to describe to people who are living life outside of Christ. I've seen people uh, outside of the faith that, that will go through hard things and just be shattered by them, just absolutely shattered by them. And I've watched people who are living life in Christ walk through similar situations with hope, with hope and with peace. And that's the joy that God produces, you know, kind of implants in our life when we begin to live life in Him. It's a joy. And this is what happens when salvation comes to us. The other thing that happens is worship is going to take place. When salvation comes to your house, worship will take place. I love worship. I love worship music. I love, uh, we, we were driving around with family yesterday and listening to worship music and it was just, just awesome. I, I just, I love that. I love uh, the idea of worship as a lifestyle. That idea of worship as a lifestyle helps me get through a lot of hard days. There's a lot of times I have tasks or things I need to do, things I need to complete that I do not want to do that honestly make me angry that I have to do them or whatever else. And when I can force myself to think I'm not doing this for me or for anybody else. I'm doing this as an act of worship to God. Somehow that takes me out of that mentality and allows me to do that, that work with joy. And so worship, not just a song, but worship as a lifestyle, it is, it's huge. It's huge for me. And what happens when salvation comes to us, it produces worship in us. We begin, we want to worship. We God hardwired in all of our DNA. We are all worshipers at heart. You're going to worship something. You're going to worship a sports team. You're going to worship your career. You're going to worship your kids or your spouse, or your boyfriend or girlfriend. You're going to worship something. And that, wor- that need for worship that God hardwired in all human beings is only truly fulfilled when it's directed at Jesus Christ. It's only truly fulfilled when it's directed to Jesus Christ. And so that worship is something that naturally wants to pour out of us and then finds its fulfillment when we are living life in Christ. And then the third thing there is uh, salvation in our lives. It's going to produce evangelism. Now, evangelism, when we, when we think of that word, it has become kind of a dirty word in our, in our society. We think of, you know, crooked TV evangelists or... Uh, you know, crazy people knocking on your door and, you know, things like that. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's something that we don't like to talk about or, or can we want to separate ourselves from that word a lot of times. But all evangelism means is sharing your faith. That's, that's the word. It's a, evangelism is the Christian word for sharing your faith. And when you kind of get a hold on and get a reality about what Christ has done for you, what, how the lengths God went to to secure your salvation through his son, Jesus Christ... You cannot help but want to share that with other people, especially people that you care about, but even, even beyond people that you're really close to and care about. Just a lot of times you'll, you'll find yourself sharing it with people that you barely know because you, you, you just pick up on something, a little cue from the Holy Spirit that, that you have hope that they need or whatever, and there's just this desire that kind of rises up in us to share our faith when salvation comes to us. When salvation comes to us. Now, here's the thing. If you look at those three things, joy and worship and this desire to share your faith, and you consider yourself a Christ follower, and those three things are not alive in you at all, I I would challenge you to take some serious inventory of your life. I really do. I really would. 
Because I think a lot of times what happens uh, in church land is uh, we come to church, we experience an encouraging uh, service, we like the music, we like the message, whatever, we like the feeling of community with other people and that sort of thing. And, and we, liked, we like the feeling of being near God, uh, but oftentimes I think in church that we have a lot of people who haven't allowed themselves to draw close to God, to really go all in in terms of their faith. And if you look at those things and you, and you say, you know, I'm not that joyful of a person. Um, I, I, really, I really, worship kind of actually annoys me. I don't really like worship at, at all. And I don't ever think about living my life and doing my work as worship. I, it's just not who I am. And I have zero desire to share my faith with anybody. It could be because you've never given yourself completely over to God. You've only just kind of liked the sensation of being near him, near his people. I'm telling you that when you start fully living life in Christ, these things can't help but rise up out of you. Now, I'm not saying it's it's 100% all the time. We all have bad days, whatever. But I'm saying, by and large, these are things that your life will just naturally begin to produce. Somebody who is, like, passionately in love with God, desires to spend time with him, desires to, to live life more fully in him. You're going you're gonna to experience joy that you've never experienced before. You're going to experience uh, your worship is going to go to deeper levels than it's ever gone before. Your, your desire to share your faith and your boldness in that sharing of your faith is going gonna, is gonna to go places you, you never thought you were capable of because that's what happens when the Holy Spirit sets up residence in your life. That's what happens. Now, this passage, uh, you know, this series that we've been doing in um, Isaiah, it kind of inadvertently turned into a, 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 also a series out of the book of Romans. And, uh, and so I'm going to read a little bit out of Romans today, too, in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, uh, we're going to start with verse 31. <coughs> Paul says this. It's kind of his version of what Isaiah just said. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, uh, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And his response to all those questions is this. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This idea that that this salvation that we have and this love that has been poured out on us by by God, nothing can separate us from that. Who's going to come between us and God? What could possibly come between us and God? It is the God of the universe that has chosen us, that has died for us, that has made the way for us to live in relationship with him. What could possibly mess that up if God is in control? And the answer is nothing. Nothing can separate us from God. This is actually the 
third time I've read this passage today. I sat beside Rosemary's bed this morning and read Romans chapter 8 to her and read these words to her uh, this morning. She is living out that, the reason that, that she can draw on this joy in the middle of uh, this process of her body beginning to shut down is because she knows nothing can separate her from God. Nothing can separate her from God. And this is not an end, it's just a transition. It's just a, it's just a transition. I want us to have that kind, of, that kind of peace, that kind of security. Like, I don't know about you, but there, if, you're, if you're not careful, it can be kind of tempting to get iffy about the status of your salvation. Like, feel very insecure about uh, whether or not you are getting the approval of God or, you know, have I lost my salvation? Have I wandered too far away? That sort of thing. And I want you to put up that next slide that, that we need to be a, pe- a people who will live in the security of God's salvation. I mean, truly live in that security. Like I remember when I was younger, I used to, you know, I, I would hear about, uh, you know, this life in Christ and this freedom in Christ. And I would think, I, I don't see it. It seems like everybody else outside of faith has all the life and all the freedom. They've got, you know, the, but in me, I've got rules. I've got restrictions. And so where does all this life and this freedom? And what we come to find out, and, and, and if that's the way you tend to think, if, you, if you're hesitant to kind of fully dive into the faith because you feel like you're going to be, there's so much of your life you would have to give up to be a part of that faith, then your understanding of the gospel is so incomplete. So incomplete because the freedom that he has for you. I had um, a conversation with a young lady a, a couple of years ago. A lot of you have heard me tell this story before. But such a powerful example of what I'm talking about where she was, say, she was telling me, she said, I just live riddled with guilt and shame because I keep sinning, because I keep, you know, uh, uh, you know failing God. And I just, feel, I just feel shame about it all the time, guilty about it all the time. And she said, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you understand that? And I told her, I said, honestly, I don't feel that. I said, there was a time I did, but not anymore. I don't feel that anymore. Because I know I'm walking, I know I'm living life in Christ. And when you get a clear picture of the gospel, you'll realize that God does not sit around hanging my sins over my head and dangling them over me as as some sort of torture. He is not interested in making me feel shame and feel guilt. He wants me to feel freedom. So am I going to be perfect? No. Am I going to sin? Absolutely, I'm going to sin. But I don't have to feel the guilt and shame related to to that sin. Why? Because I'm living in Christ. Christ and his grace covers all of that. I can be secure in my faith. I can be secure in that. I can be secure knowing that that Jesus' sacrifice paid the price for my sin once and for all. And we have this idea a lot of times that when we come to faith in Christ that, and we say, you know, we, we will pray and ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. And, and, and a lot of times I think we, because we live such a kind of linear thinking lives, we think, okay, Jesus forgave me of all these sins that I have committed, but now it's up to me to, you know, it's like, it's like okay, he paid the price for all of my past, but now I guess I have to pay the price for my future. And that's not the gospel. That when you came to faith in Jesus Christ and when you turned your life over to him, your sins stood forgiven past, present, and future. And future. Get that in your head for a second, just a second. Like, like everybody think for just a second, like, like, about your future, what you hope to accomplish, what your dreams are, and every, you know, think, get that image in your mind. And I guarantee you, nobody here considered, yeah, my future is going to involve uh, adultery or stealing or dishonesty. My future is going to involve abuse. 
None of us are thinking that when we think about our future. But here's the truth about God. He knows your future. He knows all of the mistakes you're going to make in the future, and he forgives you anyway. He forgives you anyway. You stand forgiven right now. Don't let Satan dangle those mistakes that not only that you have made, but that you will make over your head as some sort of torture to keep you from feeling that freedom in Christ. Release that stuff to God. And we get to stand in the presence of God holy, not because we didn't make a mistake this week. We stand in the presence of God holy because Jesus is holy and we're not. We get to stand before him that way. Live. Allow yourself to really live this life of faith. Quit, quit walking around, tiptoeing around, you know, walking on eggshells around God out of fear. Just live your life. But when you're living life in Christ and the Holy Spirit is live and active in your life, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit serves as a kind of preserver for us. He keeps us on the right track. He, he, he guides us in right directions. And when we follow him, we don't have to worry about the details of, of, of you know, this sin and that sin because it's covered. It's covered. We turn our lives over to him. And when we sin, we, we just get back up and we keep following God. We keep following God. And we're not, and then we talked about last week, we're not going to turn our lives over to sin. We can't do that anymore because we're living life in Christ. But when we have that occasional sin or whatever, just give it to God. God still sees you as holy if you're living life in him. That is, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what we've been set free from, all that guilt and all that shame. We don't have to carry that around with us anymore. We don't. This joy that we're allowed to feel uh, feel when we are living life in Christ is something that um, is incredible, absolutely incredible. I'm going to close with this. It, it's um, when we talk about that sense of of true joy, in despite whatever circumstances we might be going through. It, it's such a. Uh, I love this church so much. I love being a part of this family. And um, and when we when you all uh, celebrate. It's fun to celebrate with you, and when you have victories, we're we're all victorious with you. And when things aren't going the way you hoped they, they would go, or when something devastating hits, we we mourn with you. We all do this together. That's part of what being a family is all about. Uh, yesterday, uh, Jim Grotkow uh, lost his father uh, yesterday afternoon, and uh, he's hurting right now. And so we all, as his church family, hurt with him and. We lifted him up in prayer this morning for service. And we also uh, are hurting with the Hughes family this morning as they're, uh, like I said, unless God intervenes, uh, you know, we may not get to worship with Rosemary again on this side of eternity. Um, and so there's a part of me that feels sad about that. And, and then there's this other part of me that's jealous. <laughs> that's jealous that she gets to get there before me. Um, but that's that's all part of what what it means for us to be a church family, and when uh, when our church is hurting, uh, we can ex- still experience the the peace and the comfort that comes with the joy of God. And I'm so thankful that He doesn't leave us alone to wrestle with all these things by ourselves. That He walks with us through these things. And uh, you know, you've you've heard me say before that our church. Has been uh, very fortunate, you know. Um, over the last, I've been here seven years now, and and uh, we've only lost one 
living hoper uh, in that seven year period of time and uh, and so it it, it, it hurts uh, to see one of our family go um, but I'm also excited for her I'm excited at what uh, it lays you know what God has in store for her and I'm excited to uh, join up with her one day however I'll say this I told her the same thing I'm still praying she walks up out of the hospital and because uh, God is ultimately in control and the doctors can only see so much and so uh, I'm going to pray for healing and I want you to join me in that this morning and um, and we're just going to pray that God would be glorified in her life let's pray <clears throat> father we love you so much and uh, it is an honor to be a part of this church family and and uh, to experience the the love and the unity that we have here and um, God, I want to lift up the, the Hughes family to you this morning. I pray that you would just uh, be with them. God, give them wisdom, give them peace, um, comfort them in this time. And uh, God, I, I ultimately pray to you for Rosemary's healing. I pray that uh, we would see her uh, back in this room worshiping with us again. But God, ultimately, we just pray that your glory would take place. God, that you would do whatever in her life that would bring you the most glory. And uh, God, we also lift up uh, the Grot cows to you this morning. I know they're hurting. And uh, so we hurt with them and we ask that you would just uh, be peace and comfort to them and and uh, be with them in the, the days and the weeks and months ahead as they uh, process their grief. Um, and so uh, we're thankful. We're thankful that you let us share lives with each other and, uh, and uh, get, get to experience the kind of um, love and care and compassion that we feel for each other and the unity that we have here. And, uh, and so uh, we don't take that lightly, God, and we just thank you for that. Thank you for uh, using your Holy Spirit to bind us all together and, uh, and for giving us joy where there should be sadness, for giving us peace where there should be chaos. Um, we just thank you. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for your salvation, uh, that you had a plan to save us before we even knew we needed to be saved. And uh, God, help us to uh, experience the fruit of that salvation in our lives by, by uh, just leaning into your joy, uh, into this desire to worship you, and, and uh, a heartbeat uh, in, with that, that beats within us to see other people come to faith in you. So keep doing what you're doing to shape us into the people that you need for us to be. We love you, and we give you all the praise and all the glory, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.